Duke Nukem gets delayed again, but he's here with a reassuring slap just in case you freaked out. CNN shows why they shouldn't review games. Should EA get off of Call of Duty's nuts? And did you know that Link is an asshole? All that plus more on today's MASHcast. Another edition of the Mash Those Buttons MASHcast. This is MASHcast number four. I'm Jarrett. I am here with the ever-so-vigilant Jason Worsitz. Good evening. Uh, the very epic Rob Hill Williams. I'm epic now. Hi. The very epic. And the legendary Long Deep. Yes! That's quite an opening there, sir. Well, thank you very much. And I will tell you why Long Deep is legendary. And I don't I don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna start the podcast every time talking about Long Deep's name. <laughs> <laughs> not every time. But something happened within the last past two weeks and I just had to bring it up. So talking to a guy on the phone, turns out his name is Turbo Wong. What? <laughs> Tur- <laughs> Turbo <laughs> Wong. Is this guy's name, okay? And then I got to thinking. If we got Long and Turbo together, and then we found, like, a chick with, like, one of these types of names that they have, like, we found, like, a real-life pussy galore, dude, we could leave the gaming business and, like, open our own studio. (laughs) Okay. That's all we would need. I mean, it's got to be fate, right? Who knows a Long Deep and a Turbo Wong? (laughs) I guess you could call that fate. I guess you could. Uh, that's, all, that's all I'm saying. It's like you gotta, you know, you dealt certain cards and you gotta go with the. Jared <laughs> <laughs> Redding, everybody, keeping his options open. You gotta, you gotta keep, you gotta stay flexible. You gotta stay flexible, folks. <laughs> you know. Yeah, flexible. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we need Pussy Galore to be very flexible if you're out there and listening. <laughs> But now let's move on to what we actually came here for. <laughs> um, games! <laughs> yes, video games. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's kind of get right to it. Let's say everybody's uh, been playing. Um, Rob, why don't you go first? Well, let's see. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time in Dragon Age 2. Um, good game. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I like it. And I'm definitely halfway through a second playthrough already, but I don't know if I necessarily would say I like it better than Dragon Age 1. Um, also been playing Crisis 2 uh, quality so far. I'm still pretty early in the game, though. haven't played multiplayer, just been playing the single player. Uh, and Homefront. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's not a good noise. It wasn't a pleasant experience. Um, it, it had potential, uh, but it it just it it totally lost it. And it also has really stupid AI that's invincible, and I'm really tired of that in games, uh, especially when it doesn't make good decisions. Um, because it just got me killed a lot because they would wander right by somebody that was right in, literally half a foot away from them with a shotgun, and they don't get killed. So you never know that they're there because you're in the dark in a warehouse somewhere and they walk right by him and you're like, okay, it's cool. I'm supposed to be following him. And then you get your, your dome blown off and you're like, what the heck just happened? And that happened about like 10 times on a single mission. And that was actually with the, the straw that broke me and I had to, I had to stop playing. <laughs> so, so, so they didn't like turn around and say April fools. Yeah, no, no, unfortunately, it was not a big April Fool's joke. Um, and I mean, that that was just like the straw, but I mean, there was, there was a lot of issues with it that it could have been better. Um, THQ had something that they could have made good, and no, it just didn't, it just didn't go the way it should have. Um, outside of that, I've been playing uh, the new Dissidia, uh, Dual Decim, or as I like to call it, you know, Final Fantasy Dissidia 2, <laughs> because that's what it should have been called. Um, and uh, yeah, and some slam scrappers here and there, but that's about it. Okay. How about you, Wong? I'm still churning the way through the Assassin's Creed series, and as odd as this sounds, I'm actually doing all of the menial collecting BS that is in the first game, because on PSN, there are no trophies for that, so the only reason I'm doing it is to increase the sink bar. Other than that, uh, playing a little bit of mag and um, just screwing with kids online. Uh, whoa, whoa, watch, watch that. <laughs> whoa, not, I mean, psychologically, like making the kid just go, God, stupid noob, just own me, no! And then just like going, oh, they rage quit, how nice. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jared, who was just this. talking about starting a porn studio, just had the disapproving <laughs> voice for Long's little, you know, trying to make kids rage quit. Hey, hey, I keep it, I keep it legal, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, other than that, um, goofing around a lot in Magicka ever since they added some of the new stuff in the new patches and everything, like the blue screen of death spell, which is awesome. Hilarious and awesome at the same time. And just to wash the terrible taste of Marvel vs. Capcom 3 out of my mouth, I've just been playing a lot of Guilty Gear XX um, Accent Core just because it's a hardcore game and just has really solid rules for a good fighting game that, in my opinion, can last the test of time. Okay. Uh, Jason, what about you? Well, as uh, Psychoers might have seen, I've picked up the Nintendo 3DS for review for our little website. I've been playing a bunch of that. Played Pilot Wings, played Street Fighter, played a little bit of Ghost Recon, and a few torturous moments of uh, Steel Diver so far. And torturous? You can't you can't say something like that <laughs> and then just go move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, moving right along. <laughs> it was yeah, torturous. Gonna... I felt like somebody was boring hot pokers into my eyes, but I also played Street Fighter, and that was pretty good. <laughs> Street Fighter was yeah. pretty good. <laughs> Here's my suggestion. People should buy Still Diver if they're parents, because if they have a 3DS in the home and the child ever drinks something poisonous, you can have him play that game and vomit it back up within seconds. He'll be safe afterwards, because it has the worst 3D on that system, the most boring gameplay. And it basically, you know how during launch of certain like you know, technologies, always tech demos, games that feel more like ideas than they are actual uh, games? Steel Diver 
is the pinnacle of that. I don't think I've ever played a quote-unquote tech demo launch title that has made me feel more like I bought the wrong thing. Like, it made me for a second doubt the 3DS, and then I went back to playing Pilot Wings and the other stuff, and I was happy with that, of course. So that was bad. Other than that, I've been uh, doing a, the new season of StarCraft. Just started. Everybody's uh, stats got restarted. If you're at the bottom of the crap heap before, or the top of the pile, I recommend retrying it because this time around, you only get one uh, match, and then you place. So if you do really badly like I do, you'll be back in bronze before you know it. Ah, I didn't know that they. I haven't played StarCraft since the old season ended. I didn't even actually. I didn't even know the old season had officially ended. I think it's a terrible idea. One placement match. Yeah, and now they no longer show losses on your record. So what you'll do is, if let's say I won three games, lost six. I, if you click on my record, even I click on my own record, I can only see the amount of wins I have. There's no way to compare against your win loss ratio. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, they're those. That's for the softies. Yeah, pretty much. We'll talk about that after the podcast. It actually upsets me a little bit. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. I'm more than happy to talk about it. Yeah, but um, from me, you're done, right, Jason? <laughs> yes, I am finished. <laughs> He's like, okay, <laughs> enough of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks for it. thanks for delivering the bad news. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I'll put okay. you on timeout. Um, okay, I'll be over here. <laughs> uh. Well, I have been, I've been playing StarCraft, well, not as much as Jason, apparently, but I did get locked into my uh, league at the end of the season there, but I haven't played, you know, for about a, a week or so now. Um, playing the original, I have Crisis 2. been playing the original Crisis just to finish it. Uh, built a new rig, and I, I never finished the original Crisis. I was like, ah, I might as well finish it now that I got the new PC, so I'm playing that. Um, i also been playing... Um, Bad Company 2, started playing that again. Uh, I don't know, I just stopped playing it for a while and started playing it one day, and now I'm kind of hooked again. But like Rob, I did play Homefront. Um, I guess my experience wasn't as bad as Rob's. I went in with very low expectations uh, because of what I saw at PAX. Um, Not a terrible game, a lot of missed opportunities. Uh, The graphics on PC worlds better than what you saw on the Xbox. Like, I really don't even understand, like, like, it's it's just, it's such a big difference, in my opinion. Like, it's much smoother, everybody looks better. Uh, We had this conversation before. PC rocks, console sucks, you know, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But, um, yeah, just, I don't know. I, uh, haven't had a chance to play the multiplayer yet, just the single player, and it wasn't too bad, but, you know, um, it's it's definitely not going to my top ten for the year, but uh, yeah, that's what I've been playing. Um, besides that, let's just get into the actual topics we want to talk about. Uh, first off, we have uh, Deus Ex. Well, the Deus Ex designer joins Valve. Um, how you guys feel about that? It's interesting news. Valve makes good games. Um, you know, the the Deus Ex designer, I mean, that was pretty groundbreaking as far as when it came out. Um, I mean, still pretty decent to play even today. You know, graphics are a little dated, but still a good game. Um, I hope to see some even better games out of Valve now that he's gone over there. That's really all I can say about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Valve, they were already rock stars in terms of game development. Yeah. And now they're like, I guess they like the Miami Heat now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> you know. Hopefully they'll start out a little smoother, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, but you know, they just they keep adding to the roster, so I'm curious. Whatever whatever they can do to make Half Life three Half Life episode Half Life two episode three come out faster, if this helps, I'm all about it. Because apparently Valve isn't done with it. They and they didn't make an announcement, but during uh, one of their interviews, uh, well, Doug Lombardi specifically, I believe, during an interview, he said uh, that they are not done with Gordon Freeman, but he left it at that, which is kind of the same state we've been in since, what, 2007? I believe that's correct. Like We have zero information on Episode 3. I mean, I think everybody was waiting for at the end of Episode 2, waiting for the credits to finish, so you can see the preview video of Episode 3. And I got nothing. I actually replayed through the ending to see to make sure I didn't miss it. And I definitely didn't miss it. It just wasn't there. Um, Valve. WTF, mate. <laughs> Shame on you, Valve. Make a sequel, or, excuse me, uh, make Episode 3, dang it. Now... Yeah, it's like the whole reason they went to that uh, that format of the episodes was to get games out faster. Like, instead of making a 10 to 15 hour Half-Life game, they're making 5 to 6 hour episodes. You know? That's that's what was supposed to happen, but now it's kind of like that's not happening. <laughs> like, there's, no other way to, there's no other way to say it. Well, um, I think the only company like around that's even done episodic gaming correctly and thoroughly, you know, constantly all the time getting them out month after month is Telltale. Like, I mean, Vi- Valve's supposed to pioneer the whole idea of like, we're going to release a game every couple of months. And then Valve's like, oh, not Valve, sorry, geez. Telltale's like, you know, oh, we got five games coming out in five months for this one series. And yeah, they're like two hours long a piece, but at least they got it done. Right, I got you. I mean, I don't mind episodes for Half-Life being a year apart. You know what I'm saying? Even a year and a half, two years apart. But come on now, like, episode three came out in 07. I guess that's a long... uh, Sorry, episode two. I mean, that's a long time. It is now 2011, for those who didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sometime in the last few months. You know, April Fool's 2011, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, like... you know, it's it's a long time, and I don't know what the big holdup is. Like at first, like there were some articles a couple years back talking about that they're they're working on new tech for the game. But I would think that Episode Three would still release with the Half Life Two engine, simply because it's you know I always thought that Half Life the number would go with the engine. So this is the second. You know, this is the second engine, um, and Half Life Two would you know stick with that, but. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they're actually building, they're going to be like, oh, this is the Half-Life, you know, the Half-Life 3 engine, and here is Half-Life 3. Boom. You know, they may just decide to end the story here. Who knows? But I guess we'll find out whenever they want to give us information, which I hope is soon. We're moving right along. Duke Nukem Forever. Delayed. Shocker. Oh, Actually, man. kind of is shocking, considering, I mean, Gearbox taking it over, but on the other hand, I mean, really, it's, uh, what, a half a month delay or a month delay for a game that's been delayed for 14 years? Like, really, that's I, it was a pebble in the in an ocean, really, to me. It was like, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it, it could use the extra time from what I played, it, you know, at PAX, honestly. You know, I, I'll take the flack. Like, I'll, I'll say it. I... I was disappointed. Uh, my impressions of that are up on the site uh, to go check that out. But 
if any if any extra time will help that game, then go for it. I really wish they would put it under wraps for another like two years and let Gearbox just go at it. Really, so meant nothing to me. <laughs> like they, they the game as it stands right now. Um, from what I played at PAX, it's really not hitting the mark. I am trying to think of a time period where it would have hit the mark. Maybe 2002? If that game came out, that one that I played at PAX, that game came out in 02? Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, um, I I was going to say that um, I know that uh, Randy Pitchford of uh, Gearbox had said um, he really wants to, I guess you can say, clean up the experience for uh, for reasons like, of course, the sour impressions that some people got going, yeah, you know, after this much delay, it should be better. But at the same time, he's kind of taken over the reins from where 3D Realms had left off after that really, really bitter legal battle take two. So I assume they're probably just trying to keep as much of... Uh, 3D Realms work intact, as well as, I guess you can say, add in their little bit of um, polish onto it, just to try to clean it up, but who knows at this point. Yeah, I mean, I know the game was... It was pretty much a finished product, and Gearbox took it and you know finished it up and pushed it out, but at the same time, it's just, like, from what I played at PAX, I, it was not fun to play. You know, Rob... You it agree. feels old. It it feels every year of that fourteen years old, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> like it, it, the game is just past its past its time. Not to say that Duke is past his time. Not to say that the humor isn't still there, but the gameplay was not. Um, I mean, I've already said go read the article, but I'll, I'll share a little bit because Jason, in fact, was relate a story. To, well, it's a story related to Jason. I was playing the demo at PAX, and Jason walked by and saw me, and he said to me that I had no joy on my face whatsoever when he saw me playing that game at PAX. And he was right. At the time when I, when I was actually sitting there playing the game, there was no fun, no humor. It was just really old-style gameplay, which there's not necessarily anything wrong with, but it just feels really old. There's nothing new going on in the game. It has the humor during the cutscenes and during the little, you know, the off bits where you stand in front of a urinal and peeing and stuff like that. But it, the, the game is not there. I don't think that that's going to stand up as an entire game unless that first level was just a gross misrepresentation of how fun the rest of the game is. I mean, the little pre-teaser demo that they showed off when Gearbox initially took over Duke Nukem, that was kind of fun. But it was also very, like, short and more bit-based, and it was really meant to just be a teaser, like, oh, hey, Duke's back, and they let us play that at PAX, too. But the actual level from the game that we played, no, not if the whole game's like that. I'm sorry. I mean, like, I'm, you know, waiting for Duke like everybody else would like to see it come out and be successful, but that that first level either was a really bad representation of that game, or the game's just not going to be good. You look like you were in shock. You look like he's got out of a car accident. Like you weren't blinking. Like your eyes were just like dead, dead forward. Like there's no emotion <laughs> on your face. <laughs> it's like it's like I look. I was like I was sitting there playing Gears to try it out at Epic Spooth, and I looked over, and someone had left a magnificent Robert-sized cardboard cutout of him. <laughs> 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 
Like, the, the only way I knew you were alive, Rob, and that you had not had a stroke and just hadn't fallen to the ground yet was because your fingers were still moving on the controller. That was basically the only thing I saw happening. And I have nothing to say to it because, I mean, really, at the time when I was playing it, I was like, wow, this is... I think I was just sad. I think that I was so sad that, like, you know, the man side of me wouldn't let me just cry at PAX, so I just shut down <laughs> emotionally. I don't know. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was a defense mechanism. But it was it was disappointing. I mean, like, maybe, you know, part of it is maybe that getting too used to the way that games are now, Duke is very old style, but I... I couldn't like I just there was nothing in it for me. I was I was saddened. I was really saddened by that. Yeah, my experiences with Duke weren't too much better than yours. It was it just it was very boring. But it was, that I already said my piece on that on the Pax East podcast. So I'm gonna leave that alone. We do have another piece of Duke related news though. Um, the capture the babe mode, which was recently talked about, um, where I guess it's you know, capture the flag, but with chicks. And apparently, if the chick gets unruly, you can slap her. Yeah, they'll occasionally freak out, and yeah. you have to give them a uh, what did they what did they call it? They called it a reassuring slap. <laughs> yeah, reassuring slap. <laughs> Gonna use that from now on too. You never gotta slap anybody. Just say it was a good reassuring slap, and then it'll be okay. But your honor, it's not abuse. It was a reassuring slap. <laughs> I, just, I slapped her to let her know everything was going to be okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think we can get away with that. It was a preemptive high five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she just wasn't ready for it. <laughs> yeah, but we, <laughs> of course, you know that's um, that's causing waves over at Fox News. But that's because Fox loves to over-sensationalize stuff, and they love to get offended at the drop of a hat. So, yeah, yeah. who's surprised, really? Yeah, I'm surprised, like, the rape doctor had been making an appearance and started talking about how this is going to affect, you know, oh, men are going to be slapping women all over the place now. <laughs> you know? You just set men and female back relations back about 100 years. It's like, really? It's... I thought it was only, like, 50, but, you know, that's cool. Yeah. Well, you know, Fox News also talk about, oh, the game is so... It's so uh, sexist and blah. I'm like, where have you been for the past like two decades? It's <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, as much as you can say about you know, yes, there's no way that you're going to put a mode like that in, and no matter how you put it, you know, when you're you have him like slapping a chick or whatever to like snap her out of it. I mean, well, never mind that this happens in movies all the time. And it's okay. I mean, I guess it's okay. I mean, you don't hear about it every minute that, you know, a movie comes out, chick freaks out, and the guy's like, get it together! You know, you don't hear about that, you know. So, it, it happens a lot. But there's no way that you're going to put it into a game and, and, and put it in there the way that it is, especially everything else that surrounded Duke Nukem with the, them having press or the, like the, the media sessions and strip clubs and all that kind of crazy stuff, and that it was going to be okay. Somebody was going to be offended. But Duke is offensive. He's so... That's Duke's persona. He's so offensive that you can't really be offended by the fact that it's like an over-the-top take with, you know, women with big breasts and schoolgirl outfits and capture the babe modes where he's slapping them and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, he's not putting a gun to their head and blowing their brains out because that's never going to happen in Duke. You know, if anything is actually sacred in Duke, it is the chicks. So... 
honestly, given the demo I played, Capture the Bay mode actually sounds like fun, so they need to leave that crap in there. So whatever anybody says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one thing that could really, uh, I guess, redeem Duke Nukem for me is if they have audio going along with the slap, and it's like a Rick James, like, shut up, bitch, and, you know, then he does it. That would redeem the game for me. Yeah, if it's Duke, like, get it together, you know? Like, <laughs> I, mean, like, I prefer the Rick James, though. See, I don't know. I mean, it's not Duke, though. It's not Duke. It'd be it'd be too far from Duke for it to be, like, a Rick James soundbite. Although, I'm sure on PC, you'd probably be able to just, you know, put that in there if you want. So, go for it. More power to you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I might have to check that out. Not that I'm into slapping women or anything like that, <laughs> but it'll be it'll Duke be funny. Is, Duke is weird, and you're going to get stuff like this. And I know that people looking from the outside in are going to say it's crazy, it's wrong, that's you know totally demeaning. And like in a certain respect, they're right. But Duke Nukem is very strange, and it is not meant to be serious on any level. If you look at Duke Nukem and you think this game is serious, then you need to take a pill or a different pills because it's not serious yeah exactly like it's, it's that, a strange situation it's the same conversation we had what two podcasts ago at this point you know just because somebody does something in the game some over extreme or over the top something they normally wouldn't do in real life doesn't mean they're actually going to start go out and start doing it like come on now yeah, um, I was going to say you know people should just take Duke as he is he's just an old relic of male misogyny in video games from back in the 90s. He's not a real, I guess you can say, role model, really. He's just there for the value of your entertainment. Yeah, yeah aside from Hail to the King, baby, I've never seen anybody do anything Duke Nukem does, so stop worrying about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because nobody can, you can't do what Duke does. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on. Um... I know a lot of, well, especially Fox News and whoever watches Fox News, they think Duke is an asshole. But I think more so than Duke, Link is now an asshole. <laughs> and that's Link from Legend of Zelda. Um, I'm going to post the, the, the actual link to the video, but there's a video called Legend of Asshole. <laughs> and basically the whole video is about how you or Link, you know, you as a player... You just walk into a random person's house in Zelda and start smashing their pots looking for rupees. It's a lot more funny than it sounds. Rob, sing the song. I, I, <laughs> it's just a song, but sung annoyingly. Da 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 da. It's just him singing that. All all this guy. It's a guy sitting at a table just having breakfast, having like a normal morning, and then Link bursts in singing the, like just yelling the, the Legend of Zelda theme song and starts breaking his stuff and opening his chest. It's exactly what you do in the game. And the guy's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And you just, it's Link ignoring him. He never actually talks, because Link never actually talks. But he's just yelling the theme song and yelling the chest theme when he opens up the chest and takes out a roofie and then walks out the door singing the same song. It's a minute long. It's done by Machinima. It's really funny uh, it really is it, it's not necessarily new because i mean if you've ever played in fact any old rpg and even some newer rpgs it's what you do all the time you walk into people's house and you take their stuff for no particular reason and everybody's okay with it you're just a crackheaded elf child i guess i don't know <laughs> yeah if you think about it like a lot of rpg behaviors kind of make you an asshole i mean look at the sixth slave 
like from uh, Penny Arcade. Everybody here has seen the Six Slave, correct? Yes. That would be Dick Wolves. <laughs> yes, that would be Dick Wolves. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't want to make this weird. I only need five slaves. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we can really talk about Dick so much in the podcast. <laughs> hey, oh, oh, not that much, though. Too much? I'm Too- sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got <laughs> to keep it clean, Rob. <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, with the whole, you know, the six slaves or six slave or, you know, those who uh, know it by the Dick Wolves comic, um, you know, this with the Legend of Zelda, um, you know, how often do you steal stuff from, <laughs> from other people in RPGs, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of go in a house and just, just take stuff without really talking to them. Uh, hey, nice map. Yoink! <laughs> and then walk away with it. But it's yeah. just... if you want to talk about, you know, how behavior, how video game behavior could totally, you know, spill over into the real world and make people crazy and do things, it's like you could have been talking about RPGs for like the last thirty years, but <laughs> you don't because obviously, <laughs> like unless you're a robber, you're not just wandering into people, and and it's not even like robbers know they're doing something wrong. They sneak in. They at least sneak in. You're just walking in in Legend of Zelda or an RPG, and you're taking people's stuff because it's perfectly okay in those worlds. It, it's like a it's like a nice metaphor for any time anybody gets mad about video games. It's okay in that world, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, well, let's uh let's move on. Uh, EA, the uh, the director or the executive for the free to play uh, game coming out, the new Battlefield, uh, calls sixty dollars games exploitive, saying that it's you know it's wrong to get your games behind a sixty dollars paywall. Um, I wonder if he talked to the rest of EA <laughs> before he made this statement, because that's pretty much what the rest of the game industry does. I mean, I, it's obvious that he's just trying to plug his game. You know what I'm saying? I understand that. That's that's perfectly fine, but you probably could have went about doing it another way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get what he's saying, and like to a certain extent, yes, you're right. But he's not being... Anybody who thinks that he's being benevolent or he's you know, really like trying to go to bat for you as far as $60 games, like you're mistaken. Um, it's really just kind of... We don't, you know, I don't like $60 games because they're getting in the way of my free-to-play game, which could make a lot more money over time off of you. It's not, it, it's not any kind of a benevolent gesture to say that a $60 game is exploitative. It's, it's not. I mean, he's the free-to-play executive. Obviously, he wants free-to-play to be the way to go because really, when you start thinking about free-to-play, you're pay, you can sink a lot more money into a free-to-play game and have just as much nothing to show for it, you know, or something in a virtual world, but it means nothing when you're done with it. I mean, at least you can trade a game in at $60 and get some cash, you know, get something for it, you know, not that that means a whole lot either, but in a way, yes, he's right. $60 games are exploitative, but we knew that already, but production costs are rising, and the fact that they're still $60 is actually kind of amazing in and of itself. I don't know, it's one of those digital distribution things. Yeah, um, I mean it's really a subjective point because uh, one of the one of the projects that Easy Studios was behind was of course Battlefield Heroes, which was a free to play Battlefield experience. Kind of had a goofy, caricaturized world and all that. And I believe that they're also 
the ones who are behind the new Battlefield Play for Free game that's been posted online that debuts to the public very soon. And his bit is interesting because he's basically saying, you know, a lot of the games that are in the 60 buck range and for the Wii, they're in the 50 buck range. You know, sometimes you have either a poor story or just botched execution and everything. And then and you know, just when you throw sixty bucks or fifty bucks out, that ends up being a very, very souring thing because you just go, "Man, if they're launching this game for like sixty bucks, and there are no current patches out, and they're broken things all over the place, or you know, that was a terrible game. I can't believe I blew sixty bucks on it." Yeah, it's gonna be really, really souring. And of course, because you spent your sixty, guess what? The studio has made their money, and yeah, they get to profit on you being sour. And his bit is, you know, if you play a free-to-play game, you know, you're not, you're not held at gunpoint to go, oh yeah, you need to visit the Battlefield Hero store and buy the new machine gun pack because it's cool. And it's more, I guess you can say, peer pressure related in approach that, you know, you see your buddy toting the new machine gun pack from Battlefield Heroes, and you're like, oh, that's a sick-looking gun. Where'd you get or that? Or you oh, get yeah. steamrolled by somebody who's got everything, and then yes, you want out too. everything, too. Yeah, that's <laughs> but it's still peer pressure-related. Yeah. yeah <laughs> see, still peer pressure-related, but you have a good point. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, um, he's, he's trying to, I guess you can say, subtly push the peer pressure thing that, you know... Either one, you see your buddy with the gun, you're like, ooh, that is a sick gun. Or, of course, like Rob just mentioned, you know, you get steamrolled by another guy and you're like, ah, damn it. What gun was that? Oh, that came from the machine gun pack. I gotta buy that. And you know, a Dallas 45 gun. (laughs) (laughs) And I like how long is like all like, you know, rage and then, what gun was that? <laughs> you know. So, and I mean, of course, um, with the free-to-play transactions, I mean, they're cheap. I mean, sometimes some of these guns are like maybe a buck forty, or for the whole pack, or something, where you get like an included bonus costume, guns, and um, all sorts of support kits and stuff like that. It's like twenty bucks. But yeah, um, so I do see his point, but at the same time, uh, want to say that. He's a bit wrong on how some games are exploitive at that price. Some games are actually worth the price, but, you know, uh, with how things are going, it's really seeming few and far between. So I really understand his point, but I can only say that he shouldn't lump all 60 buck games in that pot. Yeah, I think um, one of his biggest issues is that, uh, you know, when people see free games or free-to-play games you automatically think garbage. You know, even though his free-to-play games have that EA stamp on it, so it may not actually look that way, but, you know, whenever you see those ads for the free-to-play MMOs, like, uh, never mind, I'll pass. And I think that's one thing he's trying to get people past. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can have quality in a free-to-play game. I mean, it's weird. It's kind of a split because I I do see I do see where he's coming from, and I and I do see how free-to-play games are a good thing. Um, I mean, like if you look at like say Vindictus, I mean, it's a game that's it's solid. It's a solid free-to-play game. You don't have to you know make an investment if you don't want to. Um, And then 
but then at the same time, it's like if you want all the shinies, all the pretty things, you have to pay for them. And eventually, over time, I mean, over time, yes, the hope is that you spend much more than that $60 on that game. You don't have to, but you can. And then on the other side of the coin, well, how much, you know, how much in the production, you know, in a, in a game that costs $60 when, you know, they're, they're pricing at $60 when it comes out. I mean, you, how are you going to get a game like Crisis 2 if you are trying to make it like a free-to-play model? You, there's so much back into that that you can't put that game out and make it free because there's no guarantee going forward who, who actually goes off and pays for that, you know yes, it sucks when you get that crappy game and you pay $60 for it, but at the same time, there's that balance between you get a good game that's $60 and it's worth the price and it covers that production. Yeah, and at the same time also, just like, you don't really need to go out and say these things because the Battlefield brand's a recognizable name. I mean, it's not like it's some fancy game called Kingdoms of and then make up a word. <laughs> not Kingdoms of Amalur. That's recognizable, of course. Um but, you know, it's Battlefield. You say Battlefield is somebody who has owned a PC before yesterday, and they can tell you what Battlefield is. It's like if they came up with a game called Call of Duty Free Online Battle Warfare Modern Combat Tank Fight. I don't know. Which is actually it's, probably what it would be called. Yes. <laughs> it's a collaborative project. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's, there's no need to really go ahead and just make broad statements like this. And Vindictus, for example... You know, the name isn't exactly anything catchy. You know, you see the Vindictus, someone doesn't know it, they're not going to, you know, perk their ears up. It's going to sound like Kingdoms or whatnot. But at the same time, like, you don't really have to rely on making broad statements because, yeah, of course $60 games are exploitative. It's They cost a lot because they cost so much to make. A free-to-play game has a much smaller team. And like you all said, like, you know, you make your money in the long run as opposed to the short. I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but at the same time, I'm just... At the same time, I'm just like looking at all this stuff, and I ask myself, like, if they can make a free-to-play game that doesn't hinge upon me shelling out microtransactions in order to keep up people who play it constantly, I'd appreciate it. Oh. Keeping yeah. up with the Joneses and free-to-play. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're going to move on from this topic. Now, let's talk about CNN and video game reviews. Um, you yeah, those feel- do they go together? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they don't. Um, basically, I mean, there's a reason you don't see too many, too many game reviews on CNN, and there's a reason why. Um, re- <laughs> recently, CNN had a review of the Nintendo 3DS um, on their on their site. Quite possibly, it was a video review too. Quite possibly, one of the worst reviews I've ever seen. Apparently they're hard. They're you know, resident yeah. hardcore gamer. Yeah, hey, you know I want to put that quote. We want to put that in quotation marks for you folks. They're Big hardcore gamer. Quotation marks. <laughs> yeah, Mister Hardcore Gamer apparently grew up on Halo, and I'm thinking like, what is he twelve? Like really? Like grew up on Halo? Who told you to say that? Obviously somebody did, and you don't. Are you you know you obviously are not familiar with games. I mean, there's so many things wrong with this review. I mean, first of all, he compares the graphics of the 3DS to the PS3. Uh, well, I, I'm really stuck on the whole grew up with Halo thing. 
<laughs> he actually what? didn't make it past that part in the video. He's just talking from what he heard other people say because he couldn't get past that. He had to keep rewinding it and say, did he really say Halo? Like, maybe he said something else. Maybe he said Half-Life, even. Wait, wait. <laughs> if you grew up with Halo, wouldn't that make you 16 years old? Oh, wait, let's look at I mean, Halo, when did the first Halo come out? Like, 2002? 2002? I want to say 2002. You know... Nah. You grow up with it. They, I imagine someone playing the... I'm going on to d- details. Don't worry about me. Yeah, we're going to skip that part. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, never mind tangent time. Go ahead, guys. Yeah. But, like, okay, besides the, the group of Halo part, uh, he also says, yeah, this thing has cartridges. This is something... Like, what do you see? We, oh, we haven't seen this since the original Game Boy. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, wow. Then he also talks about... Um, the stylus. He's like, oh, we haven't seen one of these. Uh, it has a stylus. We haven't seen one of these since the original Palm Pilot, or since the Palm Pilot. I was just like, oh, this is this is awful. Like, apparently, he has never even seen a Nintendo DS before, like a regular Nintendo DS. Um, if he grew up on Halo, obviously he didn't. So <laughs> I guess maybe that's part of the problem. Yeah, maybe yeah. His, his parents didn't, um, you know, buy one for him. You know, growing up. In the 2000s and all. <laughs> but, uh... It, it was bad. I mean, he... Uh, he made good points. I'm not going to say, like, he, he made a couple of good points, but they were buried under just garbage. Um, one, our, one of our writers and many other game sites, but uh, Nick Santangelo, he, he covered the terrible review pretty well on the site. Um, but, I mean... It, like you said, some of his, some of the guys' tastier tidbits, um, aside from, you know, growing up on Halo and being a hardcore gamer, I'm sorry if that's all that you ever played growing up, which means that really, if you're reviewing on a site, you at least are in your 20s, probably older if you're working for CNN. Um, you didn't grow up on Halo. You mean you started playing games when Halo came out, which means that you've been playing for like the last nine years. Not to say that that can't make you hardcore, but you didn't grow up on anything. You already grew up, and then you started playing video games. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, it doesn't make you hardcore, Rob. Don't make excuses for him. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to be fair, trying, but... What about fair to the rest of us? Yeah, Rob. The PS3 comment... Obviously ridiculous. Uh, I mean, just pretty much everything you just said. I mean, he did. It's like he never even like researched the fact that there was another DS before the 3DS came out, um, and it was one of the highest selling consoles of all time, or well, handhelds of all time. And and the everything you say is wrong. Basically, that like obviously it, it supported that on that platform and it sold 14.7 million units i believe was the number at last check um i'm sorry like you pay attention to other stuff that's going on he made good points as far as battery life and you know basically you know things like that yes you made good points but it, all in all the review was just terrible i mean and then he also showed himself to be a huge i you know apple fanboy which i think was really why they even put that review up in the first place it was a little little uh sensationalism for apple you know versus nintendo yeah actually i didn't even i was i totally forgot about those parts but he was like it really can't stand up to the iphone or the ipad and that's when i really wish i had developed Fist over TCP/IP. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that that whole oh, um no iPhone no care bit that he threw it sent me into something that was very akin to Hulk rage but possibly injected with like more hate and fury from like dead kittens. So, yeah, it really irked me. I was just like, dude, really you're expecting this thing to compete with a platform that has I guess you can say really simple games instead of ones that have quite good depth and substance. What are you talking about? You weird your Apple raging fanboy just That's silence right. yourself. That's explicit long. <laughs> 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 yeah, long definitely just edited himself right there. Like, woo. <laughs> I mean, it, it was just like I was just sitting here just going dude, just just throw yourself into a volcano. Do do what the guys from uh Power Gig, Rise of the Six String did with the Guitar Hero guitars. Just chuck yourself into that volcano. You can do it, man. It's it's gonna be okay. And I was just like, oh, it's don't just completely- compare it to an to an iPhone or an iPad. It's like completely different video gaming demographics. There, I said it, and just oh, it just made me mad. I was just like, I can't watch this. I gotta close it before I just put a fist through my monitor. I really think Wong is upset. You need to, you need to cool I down. I think he's buddy. more upset than Jared. I mean, <laughs> Jared, <laughs> Jared might have been that upset, upset if he could have gotten past the Halo comment. But as it is, I think that Long has definitely got the uh, the upset award on this one. Yeah, I think so. But uh, I was, Jason, I heard yeah. I wasn't so upset as I was confused because, like, like Long said, like they're completely different design mentalities. You know, I know some people say, like, the iPhone's an amazing gaming platform. Yeah, with this tiny screen real estate and the fact you only have one button, which is, you know, either you use your thumb or they put buttons on the screen, which is whatever. And, yeah, the iPhone has some promise for games and stuff like that. But, again, I was, like, telling Nick, it's, like, it's comparing Apple's and tractor trailers. They They don't are the same things at all. They have almost nothing in common except for the fact that, yeah, they both do games. Actually, Tractor Tales don't do games, but you know what that means. <laughs> Neither do Apple. Do I, <laughs> true, true. I mean, you can play some games with a tractor trailer, but none of them are legal. <laughs> yeah. Actually, what you just said, um, I guess real games versus what you would consider fake games or uh, platforms, that actually moves in to our next, uh, next segment, which is uh, uh, Brenda... Brathwaite is that? Am I saying that correct? I, that sounds as good as any, you know, any. Uh... It could be Brathwaitey, but I don't think it's that. Probably Brathwaite. I mean, probably. It's probably Brathwaite. Um, she is a developer, and right now she um, develops develops primarily for uh, smaller. Well, I won't say smaller platforms, but like let's say mobile or social platforms. Um. Non-console at this point. Although she did have 25 years in the industry, and you shouldn't just be knocking off her comments, anybody who's listening, because she makes social games. She spent 25 years in the industry making actual console platform games, but now she makes social games. Anyway, continue. Yeah, so basically, um, you know, and she gets a lot of flack. Well, actually, that entire segment of the industry... um, gets a lot of flack because a lot of people in the industry don't consider social games or mobile games like these small iPhone, iPad, you know, games to be real games. Uh, 
and even with uh, you know what what you know I guess the head honchos at Nintendo have been saying you know that them worrying about the the price of the free, well actually the price of the free games but the price of the of the cheap games and the free games ruining the value of games she's like that's you know she's responding to that too saying that's not necessarily true because you know those games that you sell for fifty sixty bucks. Uh, usually have uh, a higher production value. You know, you got you got a story, um, you know, good graphics. You know, it's overall, I guess, better produced game. So why would people stop buying that, even though they do have these cheaper options available to to them? Which I think is very that's a very accurate point. Like, I don't think just because cheap games are around. Does you know? I don't think anybody thinks just because these cheap social games are around or cheaper, cheap games for mobile, free games for social for the most part, just because they're around doesn't mean people are actually going to stop playing regular video games. I don't think anybody thinks that. Well, Uh, except Awada, but I don't necessarily think that he thinks that. I think the problem is less the fact that people believe that because of social games that they'll lose people playing. You know, games that have a price, games that have that higher production value, games that are on a console. Obviously, people still pay for them. Obviously, it's still a very viable market and doesn't look to be going anywhere anytime soon. Not to say that social gaming is not valid either, but they are different demographics. And I, I think she made a good point in saying, you know, the internet has free stuff. It, it, there's free stuff everywhere. I can go on there. I can read stuff for free. I can, you know, there's tons of free stuff on the internet. But that I have three books sitting on my nightstand table that I paid for and I can't wait to read. There's a place for both. There's a place for free stuff. There's a place for stuff that you pay for. And I think that was a good point. Uh, but I think that the biggest problem that I guess most people, if you look at the industry or people who have a problem with social games, it actually has less to do with the players and more with where they are afraid that the industry will go if social gaming becomes you know, bigger than console gaming. And that's because they see everybody fleeing you know, those high production, you know, big story graphics, all of those things on a console to go to the easy money that social gaming basically you know, sometimes provides. Um, and I think that's more of an industry problem than the industry looking at gamers and saying this is a problem because they're going to leave us. I, I really think it's because the industry looks at itself and says, who's going to be the first one? You know, like, when is, when is EA going to jump ship and be like, we're all social games now. That's all we're doing. Sorry, guys, we're out. You know, like, I think that that's what the industry is afraid of more so than when it comes to social gaming. Right, but they, even with that, though, I don't even think a lot of the people in the industry are like that because... For every for every paid game, for every paid social game and paid mobile game, there is a free alternative, and most of the time it's good. You know, like I on my I have a Droid on my Droid, I have the option to buy Tetris or buy this game called uh, it's called like uh, Blocks or something like that. Like it's like it's you know some some offset of Tetris. And did I buy Tetris? No. I bought the other game because it's cheap and it's the same exact game. You know what I'm saying? And I've played Tetris 20 times on every other platform. I don't need to pay $5 to play it on my Droid Doom. <laughs> <laughs> but Sorry. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> even new games, like there's Angry Bird clones. There are just, you know, for every game you find, there's a clone. And I think a lot of developers know this. Like, you know, it's... That while there is definitely money opportunities there, 
if you're already a big a big boat like EA or Activision or Ubisoft or even Nintendo, like you're there's money to in, to, in expanding your business there. But moving your entire business model to something like that, I don't think these 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 huge court these huge like you know gaming behemoths are thinking that way, you know. Um, another thing she talked about is Facebook as a platform or the view that Facebook is its own platform, and you know she says she catches a lot of flack because well it's not her personally but you know people who make the social games on Facebook because you know it's not really considered like a major platform and I think personally I think that it's only thought of that way because of the types of games that came out I mean when you develop a Facebook app or you I mean you can develop a game for Facebook and make it just as flashy or great as some of the games you find on Newgrounds or uh, Congregate um, even though somewhere like uh, like for example Bitejacker like Bitejacker is an awesome flash game that has saving and all that stuff you could easily put something like that on Facebook, and I think if more developers started bringing games like that into Facebook, the I guess the value of the Facebook game would actually go up some. I think that's a large part of the problem, and I also think that's why you know even like you know, we give social gaming say a lot of flack because of Zynga and, and things like that, which are obviously low you know super low budget attempts at cash grabs because that's what a lot of social gaming turns into. Um, but uh, what's its face? The wow train of thought. There I go. I guess I lost my epic title, right? Achievement locked. Yeah, seriously. Achievement locked. But anyhow, uh, I mean, a lot of social gamings are they're just attempts at cash grabs. They're attempts to exploit a certain demographic that will, you know, has the money to burn to get the nothing that those games offer. Um, and I think that that's why that, that aspect catches a lot of flack. I actually think that she makes a good point in that it can be a platform. And I think that if it gets looked at more seriously, uh, not necessarily saying jump ship, go make nothing but Facebook games, but if you look at it seriously as a platform, like you said, you can make good quality Flash games. You can make good quality things that you can play on facebook it's just that when you're looking at it as a cash grab why bother you know i can make it a text you know text-based game where you bug all your friends and you know maybe show you a car or a little quick animation here and there but really it's just a text-based thing that you know you need to sink money into to, to get anything done but if you get away from that, if you start looking at it as an actual platform production values go up not necessarily to say you have to change things so you don't have to pay for things outright it doesn't have to be like a console game it can be its own platform but that you can get higher production out of those games and that that can't hurt it's not going to hurt everything else in fact it can, it can really only help because maybe you bring more gamers in that way who knows but yeah. she makes she makes valid points i think yeah i think it's only gonna take one or two games to get that trend started uh like for example you know on facebook uh, when people play Farmville, I, for the life of me, I can't understand why they would spend their, their real money in that game. Um, I just don't understand it. However, like in a game like Bitejacker, let's say, you know, they did bring that to Facebook, and you paid like a dollar or two dollars to get an advanced shotgun or something like that, something that can actually really help you. I could totally see spending money on that. 
rather than buying a black sheep or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. <laughs> at the same time, that's where the game like appeals to like what you like. So you know, if you want that special shotgun, like you said. You'd be interested. I mean, other people are just like they're comparing scores and crops and like you know Farmville and whatnot. So I guess turnips are really hard to grow. So maybe they want more turnips <laughs> in the friends. You know what? I don't care what anybody says. There is always more fun in blowing away a zombie than growing a turnip. That you're not even growing. And Harvest Moon, Harvest Moon, eh? I don't know. Rune Factory. I tried. I like Rune Factory. <laughs> hey, look, it's still. I, I would still rather uh, I would still rather destroy a zombie. End, a zombie of, end, end of line. <laughs> zombie crops. Ah, <laughs> I think we got <laughs> ourselves a new game. First zombies, eh? Eh? Uh, yep. uh, now you get both. Oh, <laughs> see, they they knew it. They saw the they saw the opportunity and they took it. And that's why the game is so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on from this topic, and let's talk about. The travesty of Frey 2. The death of Frey 2 before the game's even out. This is like all you, because I mean, you. This is this is Jared's anger topic for anybody who didn't catch, you know, the last podcast where we talked about this. It's, it's, oh, I'm here too. Oh, yeah, it's it's angry time, folks. It's angry time. I'm sorry, Jason. I didn't know that you you played Prey as wait, extensively as Jared. I did. I beat the first game. About to say, way to take away the one thing from your game that makes you different from any other game out there. <laughs> well, we didn't. We didn't even get. We didn't even get to that. Oh, part we will. No, I think so. You know, let's start that. Let's start yeah. with that first, because anybody that has played Prey knows that the things that made Prey for, uh, different were the portals and the uh, the gravity. And the, Prey did come out before Portal. Um, yeah, you know, portal, valve portal. And so that was like really unique being able to go from one area to another just by walking through these little portals. They took that away and then all the gravity puzzles, they, they say like they took away the gravity puzzles. That's why they took out gravity in general. Gravity had more to do with the game than puzzles. Like they were actually fighting tactics and techniques that you could you know, employ while playing that game, like, you know, some of those walkways, you'll walk on it and you would stay, like, you, you know, it would turn upside down, but you would stay on it because of the gravity shift and wind up having to fight people upside down. I mean, it was pretty awesome. Like, you took away, Jason's perfectly right, you took away the, the two things that made your game unique. Now you just have another first-person shooter. You have a dude in space with a gun. That's it. But wait... They have parkour movement now. So Which, now it's, you I, know. <laughs> that brings me to my second point, okay? Now, not only did you strip away what makes your game unique, now you turn it into another game. So let me get this straight. First of all, you don't have the main character anymore, which is another problem because at the end of Prey, something happens and you go through a portal with this chick and that's how the game is supposed to continue. So, first of all, that's a problem, because now you're, you're cutting up the story. Second problem is now you have this, uh, you know, this new guy, trained U.S. Marshal, whatever, okay? He's a bounty hunter. He's a bounty hunter that does parkour movements. Does, it, does that not sound like Assassin's Creed to you? Actually, I was thinking more Mirror's Edge, but, you know, hey, that works too. <laughs> well, I mean, it would be Mirror's Edge if he was, like, delivering packages, but he's not. <laughs> it would be, I mean, he's, like, you know, you know, the, the like, the style of movement you use in 
in Assassin's Creed is it's free running. You know, it's like it's like parkour. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Although I, I, I'm thinking more of the first person shooter aspect of it, and that's basically you know what Mirror's Edge allowed you to do. Even though they really, I mean, you you didn't have to use a gun at all in that game. You definitely had the option, and it just wasn't very centric on that. And it's basically like Prey is saying, like, okay, let's do more like Mirror's Edge, but give you nothing but guns. And, and this time, games. instead of delivering packages, he's delivering punches. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that was good, though. I like that. Thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> Jason scores. Yeah! <laughs> but, like, come on now, like, I, I don't know. It's time to deliver bullets and chew bubblegum. I'm all out of bubblegum. That <laughs> <laughs> was just Duke Nukem. That's good. Dude, like, but, you know, like, they are turning it into another game that's not their own. They're taking, they're stripping the uniqueness from the game, and just throwing on stuff that they saw that was cool from other games. And I, I'm calling it right now. Prey Two is gonna flop. You know what they could have done though? They could have kept the gravity, kept the portals, added in parkour, and basically had the hotel scene from Inception. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> Which actually would have been pretty awesome. Actually, yeah. that's a good point. That's, that's, that's that would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, if they just kept the 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 gravity and the portals, it would still be prey. It would still be prey. Even though you had a lot of philosophical issues with the way that they're setting up the story for the new one. I would say, as much as I didn't play Prey, as much as this looks like it's going to ruin the franchise, though, uh, you know, the, it it has been a while that it's been sitting out there. But make it a download that's not, you know, necessarily a full game. Make it like a thirty dollar download that uh, that releases to the networks to give you like a side story and then continue the actual story that you know, like you said, get you got left off with getting a cliffhanger for for Prey 2. Make this a side story, and then it's not such an issue because you're like, oh, well, this is kind of a different aspect, maybe. And you can you can live with it. Right. But they're trying to turn it into Prey 2. Yeah, but, I mean, we already talked about it last time where I had a problem with it not... with them turning him into a bounty hunter. I mean, these things that, that, that abducted you consider you food. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you go from meal to bounty hunter? You know what I'm saying? You should have went straight and, you know, when you got captured or whatever, you know, you should have been, you know, you should go to processing. That's pretty <laughs> much it. You should go to processing. and that, that should have been The there. game starts with you getting captured and then five minutes later you're a can of spam and game over. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah, that should be you paid game. $60 for that. That's exploitative. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true to the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least it would have been legit. But I'm, I'm done with anger now. Well, let's move on to, to Heavy Rain. Well, not really Heavy Rain, but the director of Heavy Rain encouraging more personal stories um, in games in general, not just games like Heavy Rain. Uh, so, Rob, you want to take something? I know you had something to say about it. I, I will. Um, basically, the Dave, I think David Cage, I'm pretty sure his first name is David. Um, Cage. He said that uh, he was still talking to the Guardian about storytelling in games, um, and he basically focused on the first-person shooters. And he said that it's an example of where things are stagnating in the industry. Um, you know, don't write about something that nobody can relate to, or that you don't have a clue what it's like because you didn't do it. Um, and in fact, when you're talking about writing or just something along those lines, one of the main hooks is write about what you know. And that's what gets people kind of interested because you're, it's more engaging because you have a personal, I guess, attachment to that. Um, 
but basically he said that it's stagnating. Don't don't stop doing things that have no connection, like a personal connection. You, you know, write something. You can write a first-person shooter and have a personal connection in it. Find a way to work that into a story. Um, he's right. I mean, first-person shooters are very action-oriented these days. Not that they shouldn't be action-oriented. I mean, it's about shooting people. It should be action-oriented. But I mean action-oriented action in the sense that everything now is... I hate to say it, but because it's not necessarily just Call of Duty, you know, where it started, but it's the biggest example of it. Call of Duty, you know, franchise where, you know, there's all the big action movie moments and something's always exploding or nukes getting dropped or a satellite shooting a laser or a shark's jumping out at Batman and he's shooting it off of bat spray repellent. You know, something big is happening in the game all the time. And there's a place for that. There's a place for those action games. But there's also a place that hasn't really been explored of first-person shooters that have personal stories. And speaking of personal stories, I felt that's where Homefront failed miserably, and I waited to talk about that until now. But Homefront is a story about basically us losing America. Uh, you know, everything goes down the tubes. It's not post-apocalyptic, but it's it's just a sequence of events that you know, given given a, a little swing here or there, could could happen. And that's what made the story unique. But the story got lost in the fact that they really tried to, you know, once you get into it, it turned into Call of Duty. You get rescued because you're a fighter, you're a pilot that has combat experience. But somehow, in, ho in Homefront, that makes you Superman. And once you get rescued by these people, as opposed to being part of the Resistance, you, like, are the Resistance. You turn into John Connor. <laughs> um, you know, everything that happens, you have to do it. You got The only thing that you can't do in that game is open a freaking door. Everybody else in the game has to open a door for you. But when it comes to actually getting something done, you have to do it. Even though... Up until yesterday, you weren't part of that resistance at all. But today, you got to do everything for them. And that's annoying. Um, on top of that, the fact that it's supposed to be a more personal story, you know, it's atrocities that happen in a, you know, a war like that where they're throwing Americans in the mass graves, people are getting shot in the streets in front of their kids, you know, stuff that could have had a powerful personal impact. Because, you know, who who can't relate to the idea that, like, you know, you lose you you lose something and you want to fight to get it back. Um, you don't necessarily have to be a soldier to do that. Like I mean, yeah, there's combat training and stuff like that, but you can also build a story around the fact that you don't have combat training. You're fighting literally for your life. Um, Homefront could have taken advantage of that and it didn't. And I feel like that's it, not necessarily you know necessarily the game he was talking about, David Cage, but I feel like that is a good example of where there's a there's a, a complete empty spot in the first person shooter genre where you can have those stories it's not going to be for everybody but the action over the top action movie style games that are first person shooters it's getting old i mean even what you know black ops came out in november and yeah it was still a good game technically but another year of that and who's going to care it's it's the same stuff we've been playing you know the you need to like spice it up, give it something different. Not to say that Call of Duty needs to have a really personal story about like how your dog got shot by a Russian and you know your your wife ran away with your pickup truck, but that there is a spot for other first person shooters to not just bite on Call of Duty and you can you know 
you can do a personal story. You can do a story differently than the way that we do stories now. That's said my piece. <laughs> <laughs> Robco Williams, everybody. I think he said enough for all of us. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to agree with all of his points. He nailed it spot on. Yeah. And w- one thing I do want to add, though, is that, like, the incentive for most video game characters is revenge or they won't get to the top in case you get Grand Theft Auto. I would like to see more games where you're just trying to do something other than either save the world or trying to kill someone who wrongs you, basically. You mean, like, going from paycheck to paycheck? Sure, <laughs> I do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something something more realistic? Kind of well, like... Not... Well, actually, they did a game like that with Shamu was kind of like that. <laughs> oh, he's gave me a bad example. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to drive the forklift anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, Shamu. I forgot. They already have a game like that. It's called Shamu. <laughs> and Shamu good. Too. And it had a good. sequel, Shamu 2. Yeah, Shamu was an excellent game. Don't get me wrong. I love... Shimo. I love that. I love both of those games. I really hope they come out with a part three. But, you know, they're already destroying Prey 2. I I really don't want them to come out with a Shimu 3 if it's going to get all messed up. So, well, we'll see. Um, so nobody else has anything on that? Rob pretty much took everybody's words, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Dragon Age 2 then. Uh, another game that Rob likes, but this one is a little different. This topic is a little different. Um, basically, I haven't played Dragon Age two, so I don't know what it's like. And Rob, I guess you'll have to walk me through this. But um, there was a complaint in the Dragon Age two forums of a guy saying that Bioware neglected the straight male demographic, uh, which leads me to believe that I guess there's a lot of uh, homosexual activity. In Dragon Age 2? Or, or uh, the come-ons, I should say? I mean, Jason can talk about this just as well as I can. So, uh, I mean, like, I'll save my piece and he can he can add to it. Everybody but, um, wants you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're the, you're the champion of Kirkwall, even before you're the champion of Kirkwall. So, everybody, like, wants a piece of you, apparently. You're very special for no particular reason. You know, it's a little different than Dragon Age 1, so, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll let it go. But yeah, everybody wants a piece of you, and that includes people who are bi and or homosexual. Um, I didn't see how, I guess the complaint was basically that they neglected the straight male, the straight male stereo, or not male actually, they said the, the straight demographic, which actually meant straight male because it was a straight male that complained about it a whole lot <laughs> actually on the forum and he actually elicited a response from the writer for Dragon Age 2 um, and basically I mean he complained that you know they ignored it you know that if you ignored your your actually well there's actually two two different things actually there was one person who had a, a complaint because they were a straight gamer and another person who was a gay gamer who was offended um, and they wanted the writer fired um, in both points, you know, the gay gamer was basically like the, you know, the characters that are gay slash bi, um, you you ignore their advances and then they get turned off and you lose approval from them and things of that nature. But really, in this, the example he's talking about is a character called Anders. Um, some people who played Dragon Age Awakening would remember him. They actually brought him over to Dragon Age 2, not to spoil anything. Sorry. But, um, but he's... Well, I'm not going to spoil the rest of like his character and in the game because some things have changed. But he's a very touchy character in a certain way, um, and 
he's like easily hurt by like things that you say like you don't support mages in the game like he's so easily damaged by by things that you do or you don't support his cause like every step of the way like you have to be like a super huge support blanket for anders for him to like to really like be your friend in that game and it it extends to the way that he responds to you when you come on to him if he's you know he's attracted to your character and like you kind of like put off his advances um you know, if you give him, like, the heartbreak, you know, like, sorry, I'm not interested, like, you lose some approval. But at the same time, like, there's definitely ways around the, you know, they may flirt with you, but you don't have to flirt back, and it really doesn't, like, come up that often. I didn't see how it was a big issue. The gay gamer basically said that, like, it was like everybody was trying to jump on you all the time, and that gay game, you know, they basically it was a stereotype that gay people cared about nothing but just sex all the time. That's all that's on their minds. And if you don't want to give it to them, then they hate you. And it's silly because the game really wasn't like that. And then the straight gamer was basically said that your only real choices in the game were Isabella and Meryl, who I guess might technically only... I guess they're maybe... They're kind of unique characters in a way. Although Isabella, I think, is supposed to be the straight male choice because she's, you know, the lusty pirate wench. <laughs> <laughs> Love those but, lusty pirate, oh, pirate wenches and pilot Pilot wenches, wenches yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mile high I'll, be, I'll make sure I, I, I say that on a plane next time I fly. <laughs> Where are the pilot wenches? <laughs> I, actually, uh, I actually play through the game as a female character just for lols, and... She pretty much throws herself at you too there, so she's generally just a lusty pirate. Exactly, and I yeah. mean, like, and it's like, and basically, the straight gamer said that you know those two characters don't necessarily fit what straight gamers would even necessarily want, so you ignored us. That was basically his complaint. And on both points, I basically have to say that they're wrong. And the writer basically said that too. Um, well, he he actually responded to the straight gamer. I didn't actually see that there was a response to the gay gamer or not, um, because the, the gay gamer was just clamoring for his job because he thought it was terrible. But the writer basically said, we didn't ignore the straight stereotype. We included everyone. You want us to ignore everyone else to only focus on the straight stereotype. And it doesn't, you know, and the straight male stereotype at that, and that would be to the exclusion of everybody else. They, he basically said that they have data that backed up, you know, that people made certain choices during the courses of the games, um, you know, as far as like how relationships, things of that nature. And they actually had hard evidence that it wasn't just straight people, straight, you know, straight males that were playing the game. People were making all sorts of relationship choices. And so in Dragon Age 2, Odd as it is to say, there's really only one character you can't get in a romantic relationship with, or maybe two, if I'm mistaken. Um, and it, it, everybody else is basically up for grabs, almost. And so it's like basically almost everybody's by, but it's really so you get more choices. And I didn't see a problem in that because it's avoidable. But Jason, you were you were about to say something. Oh, I was about to say, just like in Mass Effect 2, the exact opposite was the problem. Um, a lot of people complained that there were no same-sex relations in that game at all. Like, if you play a female character, you couldn't get with Jack, who is, is a woman in this case. Uh, Miranda, people like that just were not available. So I, I, it kind of feels like in this case, maybe there was some backlash and people were like, you know, well, you guys weren't happy because there was no same-sex relations, so let's just make everybody bisexual so everyone's happy. You can pick or choose a litter of who you want. And now everyone's upset because, like, oh, well, you excluded straight people by allowing gay people to hit on you, that's kind of the gist of what I got from the guy with the complaint. He just, he seemed like he felt like he was challenged by Anders hitting on him. And, and he, that was basically it. He also said that it was, that there was no option to disable that, like, 
he, he his his coin term the no homo option. Uh, <laughs> he he said um, he said it was a bit awkward having like your your male companions uh, hit on you, which I can kind of uh, kind of sort of see where he's coming with that. And here's my story about heavy rain that I was talking about earlier before the podcast. Go on. <laughs> okay, so everybody has played heavy rain, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. You remember the part that where you're you're Madison and um you're like you're upstairs like in that club and you gotta dance for that guy? Uh, the creepiest man alive? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting here and I'm 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 trying to do the dance, right? Because you gotta do it with the controller. And I'm like, okay, this is a little odd. But then I guess it's my friend's fault. My friend is on my left yelling at me, do it like a woman, Jared. Do it like a woman. Like, that didn't help the situation. Oh, I was thinking that your story was going to be more along the lines of, like, you're doing the dance, and you're like, okay, this is awkward enough, and the guy tried to touch you, and you were just going to start screaming, like, stop touching me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. This is already weird enough. No, That's no. Your story was going to go, but uh, the fact that you had your friend watching you while you were dancing as a woman... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a little, it was a little awkward, you know. I, I wonder, more. I wonder how that would be now that they added in the move support. How playing that scene would feel like. I do actually have a move, and I was planning on replaying that game. I totally forgot about that part. You can't select scenes. That is true, but I'm not going to go rush and do it after the <laughs> podcast. That's definitely not the case. That's going to happen. You can, you, can, you can do that scene for science. Yeah, I, yeah. I to take a video of you doing that scene for science and put it on the site to go <laughs> the podcast. For uh, science, you we'll, monster. We'll see how 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 giving I am. Also, how much alcohol I've drunk after we finished the podcast tonight. So I don't know, but I, I can kind of see what he's saying. I mean, like, it's not. Don't get me wrong. It's not like not like I'm saying like playing that part was like super duper awkward for me. It was more funny than awkward, but at the same time, I was like, hmm, doesn't feel quite right. Man, you I can't relate, so it's you know, it's awkward. You can't relate to it. Yeah, it's, it's you're not a woman dancing in a club. You don't know what it's like, so it's awkward. It's kind of the same way. I'm not regularly getting hit on by gay men, you know. Although I guess probably everybody's really had some experience where somebody's kind of like made a pass at them, and you're like, yeah, sorry, not that way. <laughs> but yeah. it's awkward because it's not you're it's not you. You're not used to it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that they should. I'm not like, oh, they should take that part out the game. I'm not a woman, you know. So, Mass Effect Three will have a "Are you cool with this, bro?" button to click before. You play the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's what, that should be what they call it too. That should be just like you know the wheel, but in the middle there's just the click the stick, and then that's the "Are you cool, bro?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that should be that. But um, yeah, I do think he did make too much of a fuss about it. You know, um, it's clear that Bioware wasn't neglecting the the straight male demographic. Um, it was just they're trying to add more options for other people, which isn't a problem. I mean, if you don't like it, what you're gonna do? Don't flirt with them. It's an option not to flirt with people in the game. You don't have to have a relationship with any freaking body in the game if you don't want to. So I don't see how it's a huge deal. It's choices. Let's put it like it is. Dragon Age is basically, you know, it's got RPG trappings, but really it's like a relationship sim that adds an RPG to it. And that's why people play it, because half the reason you play is to see who you can get in a relationship with and how that crap goes during the game. (laughs) 
Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. Oh, I'm about to say, you can always put the kibosh on stuff. You like this instant, like someone says, like, hey, you can just be like, no. You're like, okay. And then it never comes back up again, pretty much. Oh. And at least Dragon Age 2 also had, I mean, I could see how you could have a huge problem with it in Dragon Age or like Dragon Age Origins, because if you got disapproval from people like for doing things they didn't like or breaking their hearts and things of that nature, like you would basically just turn them off like they wouldn't talk to you at all, like they were, they're not supportive, that sort of thing. But Dragon Age 2 actually kind of did away with that because now there's friendship and rivalry so if you do a bunch of things that somebody disapproves of or you you know take up the opposite of their causes um you know you 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 still get gameplay either way there's actually even bonuses for having somebody be a you know be a rival and it still plays into it they still support you they still do things so it's not like you lose that in the game either so I don't know. I don't see where the where the problem is. Like you having disapproval in that game. Like yeah, I get it. If you're trying to like get your perfect score in the game, like yeah, there's certain things you're gonna have to put up with. But the game isn't meant for you to have perfect friendships with everybody in the game anyway. So stop trying to, or just deal with it for you know the two seconds that you have to deal with homosexuality in your life, and and just say like hee hee, I like you too, or, or whatever you have to do to get their friendship approval up. You don't have to pursue a relationship with anybody in the game. There's choices. So stop being offended so easily, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That would be funny if, if Bioware uh, was like, fine, no relationships for anybody. Dragon Age 3. <laughs> how, how, dude, and, you know, and how mad would people be, too? Like, wait a minute, why can't, I, why can't I get in bed with that chick? And it's weird because it's not like the guy said he had a problem with, like, chicks hitting on him. It's just the dudes. And it's like, well, why should every woman throw themselves at you either? You know, that's not necessarily women uh, that's do. because he paid his sixty dollars <laughs> <laughs> it's true i, I paid my sixty dollars i am the king here yeah i guess so but then in that case you you don't have to you don't have to really associate with any of the you don't even have to put those gay guys in your party you really don't you don't have to talk to them you really don't have to do anything with those people so like you know if you find out they're gay and you don't want to deal with them anymore don't use them. Don't go talk to them in their their you know their high their hangouts or whatever they are in, in Dragon Age Two where they spend their free time and they're not with you. Don't go do any of those things. Don't put yourself in the position for it to be super awkward if you don't want it to be. You have the option not to. But then the, their argument is you into it. Their argument is well, I don't get the full gameplay experience now. You can't make them happy. Yeah, you can't. Like Abraham Lincoln, you can please some of the people some of the time. You can't prove, you know, please everybody all the time, and that's what this is. <laughs> but the writer, the writer defended it very, very well, I think, um, in in saying that we made a game for everybody. You know, it's not right for us to exclude everybody just for you. So we made a game for everybody, including you. And it's the truth. You get, you still get the options that are all straight male. Let's have a lusty pirate winch or whatever that you want. So. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's end of statement. Yeah. End of statement for Rob Hill Williams. Blah. You do that every time you're done now so that we know that you're done talking. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that'll, that'll be helpful. Um, let's move on, though. Our, actually, our final topic is um, regarding, not a piece of news, but it's regarding an article uh, from Gamefront that came out uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, Basically, the name of the article, which I'll, I'll definitely post the article in the show notes for you guys to take a look at, is called Electronic Arts Needs to Get Off Call of Duty's Nuts. That's the name of the article. And basically, it talks about EA 
um, you know, how they're going to continue to fail if they just target Call of Duty. Um, I have some things to say about this, but I want to go around first before you guys come back to me. So who wants to go first? I think Long had some stuff to say about that. (laughs) Go for it, Long. (laughs) Um, As far as the article goes, the intention is good. The basic intention is, you know, uh, EA's been going on this little, I guess you can say, media campaign, uh, talking to like the big video game sites, be it uh, the guys from DICE or be it the guys who worked on uh, Crisis 2. They're like, you know, we're setting our sights high. We're going to uh, try to shoot for Call of Duty and, you know, just try to put the um, uh, put a little bit of effort into our game and, you know, if we can um, push the demographic into our direction, cool. If we can't, no big deal. As long as we put good numbers, that's the most we give a crap about and that's the main gist of all the guys from EA but apparently this guy kind of spun it a little harder than um, the guys at EA were and he was going he was going with a I guess you can say a bent of you know they're trying to usurp the throne of Call of Duty who does that who is a moron to go and usurp the throne of Call of Duty you can't do that when you mentioned the name Call of Duty, bam, people were just like, heck, yeah, I'm going to go buy the new Call of Duty right away. And he goes on this bent for a long while, and I'm just like, you've completely missed the point. The point is they're not trying to go, oh, yeah, we can beat Call of Duty. That's that's cake. Um, their point is, you know, we can try to make a good product and try to impress folks and say, hey, look at what we're doing. And I guess you can say EA is trying to make light of how Call of Duty uh, lately has become the same kind of cookie-cutter experience. It's just maybe different settings, slightly different story, but, you know, just the same uh, go commando, gun through everything, go through a little, um, I guess you can say, faux slow-mo scene where everything slows down so you can shoot the baddie, pop them in the face or whatever. And, you know, that's it, but... I don't think EA was trying to say they're trying to go and just, I guess you can say, stab Call of Duty in the jugular, but yeah, apparently this guy just kept going on and on about it, going, yeah, EA's stupid to go that far. But uh, honestly, EA's efforts, I commend them for pushing hard, but you know, the numbers will speak for themselves. We'll just have to see what happens when uh, the new Call of Duty drops this November. Yeah, I mean, I respect other people's opinion because it's definitely an opinion piece, and if that's his opinion, that's fine. But some of the some of the points that he brought up, like he he complains that EA is copying with Medal of Honor, they copied Call of Duty, which they did not. Now, this, well, I'm gonna talk about the single player, the multiplayer. On one hand, like you know, uh, the multiplayer was they did try to make it a bit fast paced. Um, if you want to say they copied something, I guess you could say the, the multiplayer is Call of Duty-esque, but it wasn't as good. This is something we've already discussed on the on the Medal of Honor versus uh, Call of Duty podcast. The, 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 their multiplayer really didn't cut it. The single player, on the other hand, was a much deeper experience than Call of Duty. Like, the single player wasn't about, you know, kicking the door, mowing down a whole bunch of enemies... Uh, you know, stopping the nuke, you know, blowing this up, getting to the chopper. It wasn't about that. Uh, the single player was, you know, there were some missions that you killed one or two people, you know, 
Like you, your objective was to get in. Like it was objective basically. Your objective was to get in, plant detonators or you know something like that, and uh, you know then get out without killing a whole bunch of people. There were definitely missions that had a lot more. Uh, uh, they're a lot more intense. Actually, Hoorah. yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, Call Medal of Honor has a, a few of the most intense moments I've ever played in a game. Like the moment at the hut that we talked about. Um, that was probably... I'm trying to think of a more intense moment in the game than the hut. But I'm having a hard time coming up with something. Also, like, the part where um, you 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 and your squad are running downhill trying to get to the chopper, and you have to fight um, the insurgents that are following you. So you're kind of, like, running down, uh, taking cover, fighting off a bunch of insurgents, running down, taking cover, fighting off a bunch of insurgents. Like, that stuff is actually uh, pretty intense. Um, and it's not the over-the-top Call of Duty, like, it's perfectly okay for you to be two guys facing off a 50, because in real life it doesn't work that way, and Medal of Honor was meant to be real life. It's You're, you're like four guys trying to escape to the, to the chopper, and you're getting chased by hundreds of insurgents. You don't stop and have a firefight with those guys. You stop, and you pop a couple guys, and you keep going, and it was it was meant to be a tense experience as far as that goes and they succeeded in a lot of different aspects in regards to that it was more realistic than call of duty ever tries to be (laughs) yeah i mean even down to like the visuals like that whole thing we talked about before where when you get shot that effect that it has that actually is like whoa like there's something wrong here like i don't want to get shot again because it really it really distorts what i'm doing you know um the sounds, like, all of it was a lot more crisp and clear. Like, Medal of Honor was a better single-player package than Call of Duty than Call of Duty has been since Call of Duty 2, in my opinion. Like, it was a better package than even modern, the original Modern Warfare. Um, he even went as, as so far, well, he compared uh, Battlefield, uh, you know, Bad Company to Call of Duty, which is very far off. Um... He even called Crisis a futuristic Call of Duty, and Which then is that, ludicrous. <laughs> exactly, absolutely ludicrous. Um, and he does this because he's he says that uh, you know, well, it copies XP and it copies perks and attachments. Out of those three things, there's only one of those that Call of Duty actually brought on to and into the first one shooter genre, which is perks. Um, for those who don't know, XP didn't start with Modern Warfare. XP started with Battlefield 2. You used XP in Battlefield 2 to get unlock points, which will let you unlock weapons. So that's where it started. And then again in 2142, which I'm 99% positive came out before Modern Warfare. Um, you, that one, you also had XP, which you can, you know, based on your level, it would unlock, uh, weapons directly. So XP was before Call of Duty. Um, attachments uh, has been, I mean, I would say uh, even Battle Battlefield 2 had attachments, but I'm pretty sure there were games before that, like uh, Rainbow Six, you could put attachments on your weapons. So yeah. the only thing that Call of Duty has brought to this table that he's mentioned here is perks. So you mean to tell me they're copying Call of Duty, Call of Duty because they put perks? on the characters. I mean, you can turn invisible and, you know, you, you have the, the nano suit. 
Um, you, you know, you can do all things in the nano suit. I mean, there's only going to be so much that's different. Like with first-person shooters, there's only the differences are minute. You know. Yeah. The, but, I mean, it's it's a first-person shooter. The basis of the game is you shooting at other people, and you can only make that so different without it being totally derivative. Even as different as Halo is, being you know, for you know, futuristic energy weapons, all that kind of fun stuff. It's still basically, you know, you pick that up and you pick up another first-person shooter, you can still play both. They're basically still the same. They, yeah. By function, they're the same things, really. Yeah, I mean, if you want to break shooters down, there's, you know, there's three types you're looking at mainly. There's, you know, your tactical shooters, uh, something more on the lines of a Counter-Strike, of um, which isn't super tactical, by the way. But, you know, I guess it's more tactical, depending on how you play it. Um or like the some of the original Rainbow Six games, you know, uh, America's Army stuff like that. I would consider more tactical. Um, you also have arena shooters like Quake and Unreal Tournament, and then you have every other shooter. You know, that they're military based. You know, yeah, action first person shooters. If you want to put them into a category, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they're gonna be. Similar. They're going to be similar. They're gonna, even if one game is based in the future and one game is based in the present and one game is based in the past, they're going to have similar weapons. There's going to be shotguns, there's going to be rocket launchers, there's going to be rifles, there's going to be pistols. Regardless of what effects come out of the muzzle, they're still the same weapons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's the thing. And in, in, in this article, he's saying that EA is trying to copy Call of Duty's formula, and that's not the case. Just because they're trying to beat Call of Duty um, does not mean they're copying the formula. I honestly don't even know if he played Medal of Honor. Like from the from what I read, I don't think he played it. Or he might just be a Call of Duty fanboy and like, this is a Call of Duty. What is this crap? You know? Yeah, I was gonna say. Um... I challenge him to find what game gives you the ability in multiplayer to jump in the air, uh, pound the ground with your fist, and emanate a shockwave to kill like a bunch of other people in multiplayer. I challenge him to find a game to do that because that was a fun little thing to do in Crisis 2 in the multiplayer. Not going to lie, had a good time when they were doing the open beta, and I managed to pick off three guys doing that. But yeah, I mean, if he's just going off on this whole, oh, EA is copying the Call of Duty formula... Um, I challenge him to find a game that lets you ground pound and just knock three guys out in a multiplayer match. Because, not gonna lie, that was oddly satisfying. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, EA is when you're when you're. It'll be different if they were like some third-rate developer. You know what I'm saying? Like something that's not considered high on the food chain. Like for example, Rainbow Six is a good game, but. It doesn't rank. It's not up with the ranks of uh, of Halo, Call of Duty, um, you know, Battlefield. It's not in their ranks, you know. So why would you go after number one when you're not even considered top tier yet? You know, EA is a. When I say well, someone was like Ubisoft. You know, why would Ubisoft try to develop a shooter game that's top tier when they're not in the top tier in like the shooter genre yet? Um, EA is the second largest publisher right underneath Activision. They have shooter IPs, you know, that do well. They have Battlefield. They have Medal of Honor. Why would they not shoot for the number one spot? If anybody's going to do it, it's going to be them. 
it would be bad business not to, which is something I was going to say later, but I mean, you've you already brought it up. It would be, it wouldn't make any sense if you have Call of Duty sitting at the top of the food chain getting as many sales as it's getting, and then you have their next biggest competitor, and their next biggest competitor pretends they're not there. Everybody would say that EA was insane then. Everybody would say, like, why are they ignoring their biggest competition? You know, why aren't they trying to shoot for that number one spot? Of course they want the money. They want that number one spot because they want the wallet share. They want the business. It's not like it's not like it's a crazy, surprising thing for EA to say, like, we wanna we wanna beat Call of Duty because we want that money. You know, it it's business. It, it is a business. I, I I don't know why people get surprised every time business comes into the equation and everybody's like, Oh my god, that's that's offensive. Why are they trying to take this game's spot? They're not copying everything that Call of Duty does. They they want the business. They want that spot, but that doesn't mean that they're saying, we're just going to copy Call of Duty until we get there, because that's actually guaranteeing you'll never get to that spot, because all you're doing then is just following in their wake and just copying what they do and hoping that you make more money than they do, which will never happen. That's not what they're saying. They're saying they want the spot from a business perspective. It makes perfect sense that they want the spot. Um, I mean, you guys already covered it pretty well, but I mean, the, the comparisons are, it, it makes me, it does make me wonder how much he's played of, of those games. Um, it, he comes across as a bit of a Call of Duty fanboy, um, basically saying that they shouldn't even try. But I mean, before Call of Duty was, you know, before Modern Warfare hit and became the hit it was, you know, who's to you know like it, why is it wrong such why is it wrong to be want that number one spot before call of duty modern warfare turned into the juggernaut that it is something else had that spot halo you know halo was a bit you know was a huge seller for first person shooters and then call of duty took that over um i mean why is it wrong to want that spot you get yes there are tons of call of duty imitators there's tons of things that i wish would kind of start going away from first-person shooters um, that Call of Duty started or, you know, made po- made very popular. But he's not talking about all of the, the copycat shooters. He's talking about EA specifically saying that they need to stop being on Call of Duty's nuts. And that's... It's just ridiculous because he even, he even goes as far as... I mean, Crisis 2, which is different enough, but he even goes as far to bring Battlefield 3 into the equation, which... I, I don't know. To me, that was a little silly. Um, because, and one of the things that he says has me questioning how much of like he's played of any of these games, because he literally says that if EA insists that DICE do the same thing that Danger Close did with Medal of Honor, quote, you know, in brackets, basically, um, and make a concerted, conscious effort to be Call of Duty its own game, then don't predict that we'll have another great product on our hands. Um the thing that he took biggest issue with 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 Modern Warfare was, you know, that multiplayer was trying to be like Call of Duty and it wasn't. Medal of Honor's multiplayer was done by DICE. Like, did you miss that part? Like, I, like to me, I'm like, wait a minute. You're talking about, like, it, it's like he kind of didn't really have knowledge of what he's talking about in the first place. It was kind of like he was just talking from secondhand experience. That's what I felt like reading the article. But it was a lot of, he comes across the Call of Duty fanboy, which calls a lot of it into question. But, I mean, things like XP and perks and all those things of that nature, they, people are including them into games because they're good design choices. It keeps people interested and it keeps people wanting to play and, and unlock more stuff because people like doing that. You want to go, go even further back than, you know, say, Battlefield 2 
XP's existed since Dungeons and Dragons. There's a reason why it makes its way in the games. <laughs> it makes its way in the games because people like achieving something. They like being able to see this is what I achieved. This is what I got. And, you know, to have unlocks and attachments and perks and things of that nature, that stuff's not really going to go away in a game because it, it's design choices that make people want to play it. That from a game designer's perspective, it makes good sense to have those things in it. Unfortunately, yeah, Call of Duty popularized them a lot, you know, a lot more than they were before maybe, but Call of Duty didn't originate all of them. Um, I mean, like you've already said. So it, it, they're not on their nuts. They're not just riding in the wake of what Call of Duty does. Yes, Medal of Honor's multiplayer experience was not a good foot. But the single player experience to try and you know say that that fell fell flat on every level, it wasn't supposed to be like Call of Duty. In fact, it was we've already covered this too, but it was meant to be a realistic portrayal of military. You know, even even though it was kind of like a special forces almost type of you know aspect, but it was very realistic and very tense and very respectful of the armed forces, which is something that. Medal of Honor series in general has done very well, and to kind to try and compare it to Call of Duty and say, oh, it failed miserably because it wasn't like Call of Duty is actually kind of like, you know, pot kettle black that you're saying they should stop copying them, but to say that they failed because they didn't, they weren't enough like Call of Duty and it fell flat. It's I don't know, that's silly. There's too many inconsistencies in the article to me. It just I don't know, didn't much sense. Yeah, and. Even when he talked, like what she said, what he talked about, um, saying that he hopes that Dice doesn't do a Danger Close did. Anybody who who's played Battlefield knows that Battlefield is nothing like Call of Duty. I mean, that even Bad Company, which is, um, I'm not gonna, it's not a far departure from what Battlefield is, but it's actually, I, I would say, it's a bit it, the the maps are maybe a little bit smaller. You know, the it, rounds go a little bit faster. The, it's the furthest that they got from the Battlefield formula. Yeah, you know, like, it's not at the massive maps that you see in Battlefield. I mean, everything, for example, you know, Bad Company, everything happens on land. In Battlefield 2, you fly jets off of carriers and fly them around the map. That's how large those maps are, you know. Um, so any, just saying it's a Battlefield game, you know it's not going to be Call of Duty. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's why I was a little when I read that part, like him talking about Battlefield Three. I was like, they like you know, Battlefield Three isn't even a real competitor. Oh, it's just not actually not a competitor, but it's not a, it's not in the same realm as Call of Duty. It's when not supposed EA, to be either. Yeah, exactly. It's... When EA says they want to, they want Battlefield to overtake Call of Duty, they just mean in sales and people liking it. They don't necessarily mean that we want to take, you know, that specific genre and rule that genre, you know, yeah. or that specific type of military shooter. I mean, the single player is going to be, you know, I guess it'll be familiar to maybe what you would expect in a Call of Duty in terms of setting, but that's because it's a modern military shooter. Yeah, it's going to happen. And the other thing, too, is that, yeah, they're very different, and but... Even though the games are very different, to say that we want that spot, you are still fighting for the same people's money because it's those types of people who are going to buy that game. Uh, even though they're very different shooters, that's where that's where the we want that spot comes in. To me, it's you want that money because 
they're the same people. You have to split it up between you. And if they're going to make the choice between Battlefield and Call of Duty, you want them to make the choice for Battlefield. But that doesn't mean that you're copying everything that Call of Duty does. Yeah. I mean, overall, the article, I, that, I, in, you know, in the comment section, you got a lot of people agreeing with them. And it's just like, oh, actually, maybe it's half and half. You, you have some people that disagree, and you have some, some people saying, hey, I totally agree with you. But I think the, I think he, I, I, honestly, I think he didn't play a, I didn't, I don't think he played a whole lot of Medal of Honor. Uh, he definitely, this article came, article came out before Crisis 2. So he definitely didn't play that. He was just assuming based off of what he saw. But even the videos that I saw were like, I, I really didn't see how he could, you know. He he did say that they made a big big focus on marketing for multiplayer. And I saw nothing actually before Crisis 2 came out in regards to multiplayer. Everything I saw actually had to do with you being the weapon, you being stronger, being faster, being invisible. It was all do. It all had to do with the single player story. So I just don't. I just don't get where he kind of gets off. I mean, like I understand what he's saying, I guess, but he really should have directed that anger. I think it was misguided to direct it solely at EA. He needed to direct it at Homefront and you know every other you know copy paste Call of Duty shooter that's out there. It's not EA. Actually, is not really that. Big of an offender compared to a lot of other, yeah, a lot of other exactly. people. <laughs> yeah. So that article we're gonna put into the show notes, so you guys can actually decide for yourself, and you can comment over there, or you can comment, you know, back at our place if you want to. Uh, up to you, but you know, we do want to hear some opinions on that. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, we're gonna, you know, the the, like, the mash cast is biweekly now. So, you know, you'll hear from us in another two weeks. In between that time, you might want to look at this three games you probably want to look out for. Well, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Um, I'm not a... I, I used to be a bigger Zelda fan, but I don't know if I'm going to be picking this up. Especially because my Wii just extend collects dust. Um, oh, that was funny, wasn't it? Well, uh, it, it's only accurate because mine's doing the same thing, but it's collecting dust because it's broken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Met, uh, Mortal Kombat is also supposed to come out, right, Rob? Uh, next week. Or next week? Wait. April 19th. April 19th. Yes. Oh, actually, yes, so no, that's... I'm, I don't weeks. know why I'm thinking it's Tuesday, but no. Same day as uh, Portal 2 and SOCOM 4. Okay, so those all come out on the 19th? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, they're here for us before then because we're going to be back on the 15th. So. All right, so then the one game, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. If you're into Zelda, good for you. If not... Crisis 2 is out. StarCraft is out. You Don't know. play Homefront. Yeah. I just want to be angry, but it is out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah, that's that's all we got. Thanks for listening. Um, you know, you just visit us at magilsbuttons.com. You know, check us out on Twitter. Uh, you know, twitter.com slash MTB site. See, I got it right this time. I didn't get it wrong. Ah, look at you. As uh, a learning. <laughs> 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 and as always we want to know what you think whether you like us you hate us we've got a lot of stuff up on the site now from packs that already took place a lot of new a lot of new things that are going on in the industry so check us out yeah check us out on facebook too facebook.com slash mash those buttons join our fan page let us know if you like us or if you hate us or you just want to just shoot off an angry comment on how we nerd rage too much or get overtly sexual that's all good too 
Long knows all about the sexual. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I promise next week or next time I will not talk about Long's name or porn. <laughs> 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 all right, you guys have a good night. We're out of here.